This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Before we begin, I want to make one thing really clear. It's so exciting to me that someone like you, with everything that they have going on in their life, is still deciding to give 30 minutes or so of their time between doing dishes or driving the kids somewhere or whatever it is that you're doing while you listen to this podcast. It is a tremendous responsibility and privilege to me that you've decided to engage with us in this conversation. So thank you. My goal with this podcast is to be as kid-centric as possible. What I mean by that is we're going to talk to leaders and experts in the Kidman space and outside of the church, but this podcast at its core is all about kids. Today's conversation is no different. In the book, Resilient, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church, we lay out a philosophy called the three Bs, which stand for belong, believe, and become. By the way, the book is now available. Go to resilientdisciples.com for more information on that. But this philosophy is a basic path towards resilient child discipleship. So I wanted to talk to Matt Markins. You could say he was one of the architects of this philosophy. This 3B philosophy is not something that was just invented in a room one day when some people out of WANA decided they wanted to write a book. This is deeply rooted in scripture, research, and real life experience from those invested in the lives of kids. So here's today's conversation with Matt Markins, episode seven of the Resilient Disciples podcast. You actually will be the first debuted repeat guest of Resilient Disciples. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think you've you've accomplished a lot in your life. Um, but being on episode two and episode seven of this podcast, I can feel we, like, can we really stop? Peaked. I feel like I need to update my LinkedIn right now. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's up to you, but we are here to talk about belong, believe, become, which are three words that people are familiar with. But one of the things that stands out to me the most about reading the book, resilient child discipleship and the fearless future of the church is the level of intentionality that you guys put behind every word in the book. I want to start by just kind of painting a little bit more of the historical context. Like how did you guys get to this place where three B's came to be? It has been a several year journey. In 2014, we began asking ourselves some of those same questions. Like how did Awana get here? Like if we could look back at that point, 65 years or so, uh, what, what was successful that got us to this point? And what were some of our, some of our failures so as we looked back and, and studied our founder, a gentleman named Art Rohrheim, and his his mentor and co-founder, Lance Latham, and what did they do uh, to build in structure mm-hmm. into the ministry that got us to this point? And as we, as we studied that, we came uh, upon two key areas, one being highly scriptural and one being highly relational. And we really discovered that when those two areas merged together, we called that the great connection. So that was the beginning. <laughs> that was the beginning of coming, uh, getting us to where we are now in terms of understanding our philosophy. Art was an innovator. Mm-hmm. He was entrepreneurial. He was just so creative. But Art was not an academic. You know, Art, Art was not necessarily a, a, a seminary guy who had a big, robust educational philosophy. But what, what he was, was at the very local level, he was in there. He was there with the kids. He was beside the leaders, and he was always wanting to figure out what works, right? Mm-hmm. So when we studied our history as an organization, when we looked at some of the principles behind our programs, we, we really uncovered that uh, the, the ministry philosophy behind uh, underneath Awana was about highly scriptural and highly relational. So clearly, Awana is highly scriptural, right? It's all about 
understanding God's word, memorizing God's word, studying God's word, et cetera. And then that highly relational component of a loving, caring adult, Art was very uh, big on training leaders to engage with kids over game time, over small group time or handbook time, and a large group time. So those two components uh, were were very central. And when they mashed together, right, highly relational and highly scriptural, something special happens in terms of discipleship. Well, along the way, uh, Chris Marchand and Valerie Bell engaging in this conversation, the two of them began to say, those are two critical components, but we are missing something else that art did, which is that highly experiential component. The Awana ministry philosophy that that was really here all along mm-hmm. uh, is really about belonging, believing, becoming. Belonging, highly relational, uh, believing, scriptural and belief and faith component, and uh, becoming experiential, living it out. I love it. There's two basic things that really stand out to me about belong, believe, become. You guys have been able to establish handles around terms that people probably feel like they're familiar with, Yep. right? You read the definitions, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I want that, but what does that actually look like? And the book is able to spell that out. Uh, but it's also just just jam-packed with deep biblical basis and research that supports why this is so important. Yeah. This book, I think, is able to fill a void that perhaps mm-hmm. existed mm-hmm. by acknowledging that these kids are going to be exposed to things that are outside of the confines of the church. Yeah. And there's research that supports that. So I think, I think the temptation of a local church pastor or children's pastor is to think church centric, right? When we have them in church from 9am to uh, 1030, for example, mm-hmm. uh, what are we going to, what are we going to do with them? And based on what is our philosophy around what we're doing in that time? What we did with Resilient is to say, let's look at the life of the child. Uh, the, in, in a week's time period, the child gets up on Monday morning. From, from that time until uh, they're going to bed on Sunday night, what is that child's life like? Mm-hmm. And that, that's where you see in the, the first third of the book where we're really explaining, like, this is not the same world that I grew up in. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to, do in this conversation specifically is I think it can become easy for someone who maybe has been a little bit beaten up in their ministry context to be like, Oh great. This is another thing I have to do. Yep. And that is so not the heart. That is so not the intention. This is us partnering and celebrating the things that have happened and what God is up to. So you spoke about this in our first conversation, but you talked a lot about the importance of belonging and belonging comes first. So why did belonging or belong have to come first? Great question. So if we could back up the clock mm-hmm. 50 years, there were we, in the United States, uh, we were a majority, m- many would call us a majority Christian culture in 1950, uh, et cetera. Uh, in that world, we as, as churchgoers, as, as uh, Christians, relied on a lot of social structures to help build in, uh, not necessarily the gospel, but to build in Christian thinking into the lives of our, ch- of our children, Christian values, etc. And so we don't live in that world anymore. It is yeah. a very different world. We've come a long way since 1950, and the next uh, 20, 30 years are going to be uh, very different as well. You said that in our first episode, the yeah. rate of change in the next the 30 rate years of change, is going to be yeah. so much more it's crazy. than the last 30 years. So, so belonging is important because uh, if we're trying to help 
this child understand the gospel. But remember, they're not living in a culture where they're getting so much of that passed to them through the perhaps the school system, through their aunts and uncles, through friends in the media. They're, they're not getting what they used to get that would perhaps support a Christian worldview. So in order for that child or student to understand a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview, uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, those kind of four acts of the gospel, right? In order for a child or a student to understand that, uh, it's going to take a person, right, or a group of people or a community of people investing in that child to help them catch that, understand it cognitively as part of it, but to help them catch the heart of it as well and to, to see the gospel come alive in other people. So mm-hmm. we, we need a, a community of belong, people who just exude belonging uh, to communicate with every fiber of their being to kids. So where kids say, I'm not quite sure what this Jesus thing is all about. I don't know what Moses has to do with Noah, has to do with Mary. All I know is Patty and Judy and Bob love me, and I want to come back to this place. And I think there's there is that like that otherness that happens where people are like, there's something different about the way that uh, Bob, Patty, and Judy yep. love me compared to maybe some of the other. Folks I, do I you feel. like those boomer names? That was I went, good. I went, I went with you really, yeah, yeah. You you uh, you had our key demo well. Yeah. So relationships relationships are the distinctive advantage that kid men and children's ministry leaders have today. It's not our amazing program. As good as we are at programming and events, our number one uh, thing that makes us distinctive is relationships because it's through belonging that kids are going to find their community, they're going to find their people, and they're going to find Jesus. Amen. So belonging might be a little bit easier for people to sort of wrap their heads around, right? They, yeah. they may know what that looks like. Um, Mike, I know in one of the episodes gave an example of just his daughter's wanna leader showing up uh, for her play, right? It was just this a level of being present that is an otherness, is an above and beyond what the rest of the culture would suggest is, uh, yeah. is good enough. Do you have an example of what belonging looks like, whether it was in your context or just a story that you know so people can sort of understand the simplicity of this? Yes, and honestly... I think I have dozens of belonging stories. Even better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're, we're only going to tell one, Okay, though. sure. Right. <laughs> but so somewhere along the way when I was in high school, I had a pastor who who saw something in this 16-year-old kid, and he decided he wanted to, to invest in me and mentor me. And so Pastor Kimball um, asked me if I would, uh, during the summertime, if I would meet him at, at a park. And I met him there, and we, we had ice cream, and we cracked the Bible open, and Again, these these were a small handful of encounters, but the impact was huge, right? The yeah. fact that he sat down with me, I remember asking him the most basic questions like, why do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, Luke and John repeat each other? You know, shouldn't they be like a sequential, you know, a story that's progressing? Yeah. And I just didn't know anything about the Bible, you know, and he was able to explain to me, these are four different eyewitness accounts, you know, of the life of Jesus. And so the most basic things, but those moments, because he was highly relational, I could tell he loved me, I could tell he cared about me. And ultimately, I saw Christ through Kimball, and uh, he just pointed me in the right direction to get to the next chapter of my discipleship journey. I love that. And I think, I hope that the people who hear this think about the own, their own 16-year-old in their context, right? Yep. Or the own, where the, I would imagine, you know, because I feel this as a dad especially, where there's some things where I'm like, we're going to try this, hope it works, exactly. hope it lands. Exactly. And to yeah. know that that has paid off so much, where for him especially at the time, it probably just felt like he was 
eating some ice cream with a friend of his and yep. answering some basic questions. And as a pastor, he's probably thinking, boy, I hope, I hope there's some fruit here. You know, I want to see some impact. <laughs> yeah. And you know, maybe he uh, was wondering for many years if this anything would ever turn out with this guy. But but I think I think part of the challenge we face as a church leadership is uh, moving beyond running the programs to how do we get to that next level of life-on-life, relationship-on-relationship. And certainly our job as church leaders is to uh, to invest in the people who are going to go then lead other people, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that I think that's one fa- challenge we face in North America is uh, our programs are amazing, the Sunday morning experiences are amazing, but discipleship is is a whole other experience beyond what's just happening on a Sunday morning. Totally. No, I love that. And I, it's actually, that's a good transition to the next beat, which is believe. Believe more than anything is one of those things that people will try very quickly to write their own definition of. Mm. Um, And I think we also live in a particular time where it becomes easier and easier to believe something that is not true about yourself, about the world that you live in, because you you can create information bubbles or create a reality for you that goes to the belief system you want to have. So really specifically, how are we defining believe or believing? And why is it important to have this be the next step? All right, so let's just start with the, our basic uh, definition of believe. So believe is deeply scriptural ministry rooted in the truth of God's word and the power of the gospel, right? So God uh, gave us his word and Jesus came here to be the word in the flesh, right? So we know God because he took the time to give us the message of the Bible. So really, what what really discourages us is is when we we have met with our, our leadership team over the past uh, six or seven years we have met with over a thousand uh, le- had in-person conversations with a thousand uh, different church leaders That's incredible. Um, and, and one of the themes we have unfortunately heard that has caused us to grieve because the churches are grieving is that they've gone to somewhat of a bible light strategy right uh, where oh, wow. there, there's there's not strong Bible teaching with the kids on on Sunday morning. Now, if we are only Bible teaching and we're not doing relationships and we're not having conversation with kids, then we're just cramming a bunch of Bible information into kids. So it's this collision, right, of, of believing, belonging, believing, and becoming. But this belief portion is so important. So we talk about this in the book, but let me give a quick story, right? So let's say, let's say uh, Ross, you are going in for surgery, right? Okay. And you're about to be wheeled back into the back room and all of a sudden you find out that your surgeon did not read any of his textbooks in college, oh, right? Man. Any of the yeah. source medical information, you'd be like, stop, do yeah. not wheel me back there, right? Yeah. No, that was what yeah. I got to do in school. Right. Not so, what the because as a physician, you're wanting to learn source information, knowledge that's passed down, uh, uh, knowledge that's collected through research, right? And basic anatomy and whatnot. Uh, so that's like sources. That's that source information. But you also uh, had had mentors who relationally invested in you as a physician, and then you had all sorts of labs and practicums where you got all this experience. It's those three components working mm-hmm. together. But you you can't just rely on the relationship alone and the experience alone. You have to have some source knowledge. So in the same way, how, how much more with the most important message in the world? Uh, would we not want our children to have this source knowledge of the Bible? So we kind of, uh, you know, scripture knowledge and scripture memory and Bible literacy, you know, we kind of yawn at that. 
But that is critical. It's foundational. Yeah. So these three components working together, believe is, ex- is incredibly important because how can we have faith without hearing and how can we have that without the word of God? So the believe portion is, is really critical in, in the discipleship process of children and students. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. It's time for a new conversation. Resilient Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church is now available. The book is an honest calling to ask robust questions about the future of faith. In the midst of changing cultural landscapes, this book is a love letter to the church about the children who will one day lead and minister in the face of cultural adversity. Resilient Child Discipleship looks beyond the tactics of everyday ministry and focuses our energy on the few key factors that truly contribute to effective long-term discipleship. Get a copy for you and your team today at ResilientDisciples.com. So one of the things that I think may be a challenge for people in belief is what it looks like to disciple a child who maybe had different contexts, different, um, had a different experience than what they had growing up themselves, especially in today's church, but also how you can help foster someone else's belief when you yourself are having some of your own belief issues, whether that particular day, that particular week, that particular season. Um, is there any encouragement that can be offered to a leader like that who wants, because they love this child so much, they wanted you right by that child, but are struggling to believe themselves? Couldn't, couldn't you have asked me an easier question? <laughs> uh, you know, you, okay, here's what I thought of when you asked yeah. that question. I thought of Josh and Sean McDowell. Uh, so, you know, imagine being Josh McDowell, you know, and, and your son has doubts. You just want to say, I'm Josh McDowell. I am Mr. Apologetics, you know. But I heard a story once that, you know, as Sean was growing up as, as, as Josh's son, uh, he 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 had some doubts, and I'll never forget listening to Josh say uh, that he he allowed Sean to to sit in those doubts, to think, and to work through. And, and Josh would give him information; he would nudge him in a certain direction, he would pray for him. But he just said, "I I am confident that my son is on a genuine pursuit of the truth, and he's going to find." his way to Jesus. Now, I don't know the details about that journey, of course. Uh, but I, I think the spirit that's behind that question is, uh, as parents, uh, we we also, or as leader, parents and leaders, you know, we've got to be on that pursuit of, of finding Jesus, and, and, and it's just impossible to do that without uh, just devouring the word or, 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 or over time, over long seasons to have the faithfulness to not give up and to seek to understand mm-hmm. God through his word. But it's not just through the word, it's through the relationships, it's yeah. through the experiences as well. So I think it speaks to the faithfulness of, of being a Christ follower and just not giving up and allowing ourselves to have those questions and seasons of doubt uh, without giving up on the community of the church and without giving up on faith. Totally. The research in this book is, in, is compelling. It's convicting. What can you tell us about the research behind belief? When you look at these three areas, belong, believe, become, there's an overwhelming amount of research uh, in, in each one of these areas. Uh, it's been uh, known for quite some time now, though, that one of the number one, I think it's the number one catalyst to spiritual growth is Bible engagement, faithfully reading God's word. Um, and so, you, you know, we think, we think, well, I've been doing this Bible study for 
or a decade now, you know, uh, th- that is not a bad thing. Keep, you know, pressing forward and studying God's word. So one of the things that we talk about in chapter 10 is, is the higher, high, we get into the higher spiritual health that, that reading God's word uh, that br- brings about as a result. Uh, childhood Bible reading, uh, kids who read the Bible are 12.5 uh, percent uh, have 12.5 percent higher spiritual health than oh, wow. uh, than people who don't as a child. Uh, children are o- very open to the gospel. Most people come to Christ between the ages of four and 14. That speaks to the the power of understanding God's word from a young age. The bi- Bible engagement has a huge benefit and just the continued uh, power that it has to transform uh, our lives. So so yeah, the research is actually very very compelling that. Teaching God's word, kids listening to God's word, kids uh, faithfully or even semi-faithfully engaging the Bible, there are significant uh, benefits that are going to help kids to to come to faith in Christ, and so uh, it's hugely important to the discipleship process. That's amazing. I think that <laughs> we, as people who have kids in our lives, who we care about, whatever that looks like for you locally, like the idea to be like, oh, here's a thing, and there's research to support that th- that's how this is going to pay off. Yep. Like, that is so rare yep. in So, So, so as a world. parent, bringing God's word into our di- into our discussion, right? You're walking outside with your child, you're holding hands, and you say, hey, look at this, it's springtime. Oh, I wish it were springtime right now, but right? it's springtime, right? You look up, the leaves are emerging out of the trees, and you say, look at that. That reminds me of in the Bible in Genesis where God created all the trees, he created the whole earth. There's so much we can do in, as, with parents, just bring Point back to God's word in our conversation, when we pray, at bedtime, uh, occasional family Bible reading even. There's just so much we can do uh, to help our kids to have God's word uh, be, a, be a critical, uh, continual influence in their lives. Yeah, and you, I think you may have spoken about this, but it's like when in that example, in that list that you just gave, it's a way of talking about the Bible that is both everyday and also sacred, right? That it, I think... Part of the reason why the Bible felt inaccessible to me as a child was because I I thought you only talked about it in church. It never mm, occurred to mm-hmm, me to talk mm-hmm. about it on a walk. Yep, yep. So um, I love being able to show people that here's something simple that you can do, or here's something simple that is out there that is doing the things that are talked about. Well, in this book. and k- kids need context, right? So if if we can start with with the with the Bible engagement piece with uh, under under belief, if we can start with giving them a framework to understand the Bible, like what's the kind of the overarching story of the Bible. It's that creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Like that's the real story that the Bible's sliced up into chapters and books and kids are trying to weave all this together. It's very complicated, but if you can help a child understand that it's really about creation, fall, redemption, that Christ is our redeemer and that he's restoring us. And one day he's going to restore everything to to perfection. Like that is a framework that kids can understand. Then we can get down into specific pieces of the Bible and help them understand how they fall into that. I love that belong, believe, become, that the third part of this is become because it strikes me that this is this is inevitable. We are all going to become something. We are all adults, children. We are all on our way to becoming something mm-hmm. or a multitude mm-hmm. of things. Why land on this inevitability as, like, why call it become? So name, okay, I got a question for you. I'm yeah. going to interview you now. Oh, okay, here we go. Name two or three cultural phenomenon that children are navigating today that they were not navigating when you were 10? Uh, social media. Okay. And um, a, a, like a complacency around the breakdown of the family. Yeah, that. You can add on the the gender, sexual revolution oh, sure. stuff. Like we just, we keep listening, listening, listening. Kids today 
need help navigating life. They need they need an adult to walk beside them who says, "I'm going to be here with you, and I'm going to I'm going to walk with you as you become like Christ." One of the biggest things we uncovered uh, in the research here was how much uh, kids need conversation, mm. and that walking kid walking with kids and, and students and young adults through uh, through life having the critical conversation. Because think about that. We just listed three things that are pretty critical there. They're trying to discern what's going on here and how is this impacting me? And I'm trying to navigate through all of this. In belong in and versus become, there's this thing of there's this moment of like we've talked about a lot. We sort of get trapped in the programmatic details, we get trapped in the curriculum as good as we are and as important as that is at that. And when I think about that pastor who sat down with you, or I think about the coaches or mentors that I had in my own um, upbringing. And the idea that I can hold on to those guys as those memories so tightly and they are so influential to me when they were a simple thing that happened. Like they, there are so many men and women in my past who are the reason that I am the man that I am today. There's a magnitude to what it takes to effectively engage in conversation with children. But I think there's also this like we can sort of release that tension, right? That we, we have to get it right. We have to do this. And it's like, no, you just have to hold your child's hand and, and see the flower, right? You see that can put them on a path to become more like Jesus. So I remember when, I remember when uh, I was being interviewed uh, to become president of this organization and Valerie, (laughs) Valerie asked me the question. She she said something along the lines of, tell me about your faith walk. And I began to talk about the spiritual disciplines of my life of prayer and scripture reading, et cetera. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear about your spiritual disciplines. I want to hear about your faith and how is God uh, uh, shaping you to have greater faith in him. And it was such a great mm-hmm. moment in my life. She totally Jesus juked me. And it was perfect. <laughs> it's exactly exactly what I need. But Val- Valerie was simply was, was simply asking me, talk to me about how you have had, God is shaping you to become like him. Talk about your challenges. Talk about a time when you were just dependent upon Christ and you really had to live it out. And, and certainly we could look back and uh, each of us could probably sit and, and talk about those. Mm-hmm. But it reminds me, Chris Marshawn likes to say, we have to get kids outside of the simulation of the local church. I love Sunday school, but let's be honest. Sunday school is a simulation. You know, I love uh, PE when I was in high school. Dodgeball was amazing, mm-hmm. but that was a simulation. It's not really, it's a contained environment where we're pulling off a certain type of learning or activity. Um, so what does Chris mean by that? Chris means that faith is forged in the real experiences of life. So we, we tend to think about the church and, and ministering to children as I got to get as much of this Bible into their heads as possible, into their heart and mind as possible. So the Holy Spirit will use it for transformation purposes. Amen. Completely agree to that. But that by itself is insufficient. Again, it's this combination of three factors, belonging, highly relational, uh, believing uh, through through faith and scripture and becoming, living it out highly experiential. Kids need us to engage them in conversation and to walk alongside them and to give them a, to give them a task. Now, it has to be a, a child-sized task or a middle school-sized task or a student-sized task, but something that they can step into to live it out. And maybe a time, maybe a situation where there's a gap and they got to figure out how am I going to, how am I going to span this bridge, this gap and God tests them and builds uh, uh, resilience and faith uh, through those opportunities. That will help those roots of faith to grow deeper and deeper. I sometimes wind up having these conversations and wishing I came to know Jesus earlier. 
Mm. Which I, I think means that we're having the right kind of conversation because the fact that I was a kid in college thinking about getting married and all these big, big, big adult things and trying to do that on my own and God had to sort of rescue me from a path that I could have gone down. And the idea of what the people who listen to this podcast do, what everyone in this building does and how they're able to, uh, the book uses the language love, you know, set children up to love Jesus for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard a pastor once describe it as being marked for life, Mm. but the fact that, you know, there's this, these years and decades of just being in this relationship with Jesus and being in a community of believers, like that is what changes the world. That is what makes this world less scary. That is what makes the world look more like. And that's what, that's what we all want. But we, we, as, as local church leaders and influencers in the local church, we've got to, to pause long enough to ask ourselves all of this activity that's going on in my local church, in my children's ministry or my student ministry, are these many, many activities, uh, are these producing long-term discipleship fruit in the lives of kids and students? Or maybe another way of asking that is what key, what, what, what very few things are we doing that are having the greatest amount of impact? That's really what this conversation is all about. That, and that's what led us to these three key factors of belonging, believing, becoming. Because if we know, Christian Smith says uh, in his research, that really those three factors are the, the key factors in long-term discipleship. Well, if that's the case, what if, what if we decided to really orient our ministries around those three factors? But here's the thing. What, what keeps us up at night is there's just so much on that local church leader. It, it, it gives us sleepless nights thinking about uh, the youth pastor in Des Moines, Iowa, or, or in Miami, Florida, or in El Paso, Texas, that justice is just on the hamster wheel of all of the things that are required of them, but thinking, could they be more effective? Could they be more effective at reaching kids and discipling kids with better long-term fruit that's going to change and shape the future differently? Um, boy, what if we could help them pause, reflect, think about these things, and redesign what they're doing that's going to be more effective and more fruitful to shape the future of the church? What if indeed... Thanks for listening to the end of this episode. If you're still here, you've either fallen asleep listening to the sound of my voice, or you understand and believe that what Matt said is true. Our desire is to come alongside you wherever you're at to help make your ministry or whatever you're doing for the kids in your local context more effective, more fruitful, and I would argue ultimately more enjoyable. That's why we want to hear from you directly. I hope you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. But you can also give us your thoughts by emailing us at podcasts at awana.org or you can call and leave a voicemail at 630-289-5353. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to ResilientDisciples.com for leader resources and many more of these conversations.